that did today. scar me. Yeah. I don't know why you'd bring that back up again. Because but, all you're you thinking know. about is that level of violence, like <laughs> to match up with the 45. I'm just saying I would like some consistency or some realism, you know? Sure. Well, and that's... use guns, use them the right way. Welcome to the What's Our Verdict podcast. We fashion ourselves cinematic judge and jury. My name is JJ Carter. I'm here with my co-hosts, Matt Snyder. Better red than dead. Javier Ortiz. What is up, my nerds? And Ian Anderson. Some shit. We appreciate your help growing the podcast. Go ahead and hit that follow or subscribe button. Tell a friend about us. Go check out our website, whatsourverdict.com, where you can listen to all of our episodes. Sign up for our newsletter to get exclusive content and updates and pick up some sweet, sweet merch. Please go to Podchaser, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Leave us a review. It helps grow the podcast. It's the most effective way to help us do that. Get our lovely offensive content out there as big as possible. So we appreciate you leaving those reviews. Uh, we will read them over the, the air as well on a recording as we get them. So we appreciate that. The question we always ask each week is if you ever find yourself wondering if you spend the time, money, or both on a movie, Top of that question, we put a movie on trial, discuss the facts, pass judgment, and let you know our verdict. Today, we're reviewing Death on the Nile. It was released February 11th, 2022. It was written by Michael Green, based on the novel by Ab- Agatha Christie. It was directed by Kenneth Branagh. stars Kenneth Branagh, Gal Gadot, Tom Bateman, Annette Benning, Rose Leslie, Ali Faisal, Don French, Russell Brand, Letitia Wright, Sophie Okonedo, Jennifer Saunders, and Emma McKay. While on, the vaca- on vacation on the Nile, Hercule Poirot, must investigate the murder of a young heiress. If you haven't seen this movie and you want to avoid spoilers, go check out our spoiler-free review on YouTube. There's a link in our show notes for that. Go watch the movie. Come back, pick up where you left off, because we're about to spoil the shit out of this thing. So let's talk about Death on the Nile. Javier, you made an interesting point in the spoiler-free that I want to talk about. Can get it right out of the gate. This was, and I agreed with you completely, Gal Gadot is a distraction in this movie. Like a beautiful one. Oh, for sure. Like, look, I love Gal Gadot. Don't get me wrong. She's a fantastic actress. I love her. I think she's great in almost everything she does, with the exception of that weird red notice piece of shit movie we watch. But, but this one, and I don't know why, but to me, she pulled me out of the movie almost every time she was in a scene. So I thought that was interesting that you brought that up. Yeah. I don't, it just seemed like they wanted to put a big name in. And they needed like a pretty woman to do it. And they're like, oh, Gal Gadot, she's a good option. Where I would have liked it better if it was kind of more of a no-name actress. Yeah, Yeah, I I don't know. I just didn't, like it totally pulled me out. It just seemed like they were trying to check a box there. In fact, when she finally got like killed, I was like, oh, good. Because I wanted Perot to like be center stage. And it just seemed like he wasn't enough center stage when Gal Gadot was on screen. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. I know yeah. exactly what you mean. Well, and I think she was almost too much for most of the cast. Like anytime she was on a scene with them, and I get that that's part of the, like her character is that she's, you know, she's super, super, super wealthy in the middle of the depression. And you're supposed to not like her to a certain degree in the, at least understand why the other people don't like her, but it's, I don't know. It was too much for me. And I just felt like, the only other thing I thought was, so when, when I first saw the preview for this, the actress, Emma McKay, that plays Jacqueline de Belfort, her like nemesis or whatever, the one she steals, her, she ends up stealing her fiance. That actress looks 
just like Margot Robbie. So in the previews, in the previews, I thought Margot Robbie was going to be in it at first. And I think that might have balanced Gal Gadot. Like if Margot Robbie or someone of that on the same level to me as Gal Gadot had been her counterpart, I think maybe that would have changed it because don't get me wrong. Emma McKay was great and she played that character very well, but it just, she just, yeah, nobody in that could keep up with, with the exception of Kenneth Branagh and Annette Benning. She was amazing in this movie. Like I love, and she's amazing at everything she does, but I was really excited to see her. I haven't seen her a lot lately, but yeah, she was amazing. And so she stood up yeah. well, but yeah. I didn't think Gal Gadot did a very good job at that character. Cause I don't think that character was unlikable enough. True. Right. Like considering that as a child, she was straight up racist, which, you know, was in the twenties. Like, like it made sense, but like, I didn't think her screen presence created a character that was unlikable enough to motivate someone to kill her. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I guess ultimately she wasn't killed because people disliked her. They killed her for her money. Well, so, in the book, everybody on the boat, like they were her closest friends, but they all, and they kind of hinted at it in this movie. They all had issue with her in some mm-hmm. way, shape or form. And in the book that comes across, like, especially with like Louise, like her, the maid, the yeah. maid mm-hmm. or matron, whatever you want to call her, man, she is shitty to her. And you see that probably the most with Louise yeah. in this movie with the fact that when it comes out that she basically broke up her and her fiance instead of giving her a bunch of money that would allow them to, you know, continue on or whatever in the book, there's those subtle hints. She's very likable at the beginning. And then you start to realize she's kind of a shitty person that this money has made her shitty, but you're right. Gal Gadot makes her, she's too likable. You feel sorry for her almost in a lot of ways, even though she's the shitty one. Like you shouldn't feel sorry for her at all. Like she's that person in the depression that still has a fuck ton of money and is just throwing it around like nothing. So in front of all of her friends' faces. So I think in a lot of ways, in my opinion, she got outacted in this movie, which Mm -hmm. is weird because the last few movies we've seen, she's the only reason why that movie was even worth watching. (laughs) I thought it was kind of funny that the actor that plays Simon kind of has like the same role as he did in the, well, not like the same, same role, but the Blight Spirit or whatever. What was that one that we watched? Yeah, Blight Spirit. He he wasn't in that. That's They look a lot alike, but that's Army Hammer. So Army Hammer. Is not the same guy? No, not the same guy. Army Hammer was in like the man from Uncle and Entourage. And then he was in that shitty Lone Ranger remake. They were very similar characters, but I don't like Army Hammer. He was obviously, to me, he was the worst part of this movie. And that's probably a personal thing because I just don't like the actor. I wasn't blown away by him and his counterpart. What was her name? Emma McKay? Emma McKay. Yeah. She did great. Like way better yeah. than him. Well, she killed it. <laughs> In comparison. Yeah. That quiet crazy that she played. And yeah, she had that look in her eyes. Like she definitely had that going for her. Apparently she's been in some series. She's killed it. I don't know what it is, but she's done a really good job Mm -hmm. at it. But yeah, she was great. So the whole time Ian and I were having discussions about the, what a 22 caliber gun 
can accomplish. Just for reference, 22s are used for like small game hunting, like rodents and like rabbits. First of all, at the end, it shot through two people, which is hella impressive. (laughs) (laughs) Like from a toy gun. Armor piercing. 22. Yeah. Dude, if I knew that a 22 had that type of stopping and piercing power, what am I doing carrying a nine millimeter around all the time? Yeah. Well, that 45 didn't look very damaging either though. So there's that. (laughs) Cause he just puts a little hole in his neck. Yeah. Well, no, that was the 22 that did that. No, that was the the 45. Yeah. In boots neck? Yeah. How did she get the 45? Because what's don't know his how face? You got it, but that's the, no, they show it was the it was the yeah because the guy yeah, dropped he, it yeah he picks it up she dropped it when he picks it up yeah he, he chases her out the door I didn't get the actor up. right but I know I got this one right <laughs> yeah no that is true you can get away with a small entry point which that was a little too small for a forty five I think but there should be a massive exit wound like this dude's like entire like neck or shoulder should just there should be a hole. You know, Javier scarred because he watched Scream. This is a PG 13 movie, so they can't have the exit wound be the size of his head coming out of that. Did scar me? Yeah, I don't know why you'd bring that back up again because all you're thinking about is that level of violence, like (laughs) to match up with the 45. I'm just saying, I would like some consistency or some realism. You know, sure. Well, and never use guns, use them the right way. Of all the things in this movie, like I really loved this movie, but the 22 thing, I just thought it was stupid that they made it a 22. Cause in the book, they just call it a pistol and there's multiple pistols. I'm pretty sure if I remember right, they don't delineate the caliber. A, a caliber of the weapon. And at the end of the book, this whole one shot kill two people thing was very dramatic and I realized why they did it, but that's not how that the book ends. And I, that was the other thing that is when it ended, when that happened, I was like, now, why would you do that? Because it takes away an actual key point for Poirot in this book. And that is just like in the first one on the Orient Express, where he doesn't turn any of these people in and make them go to jail. In this one, he's ready to turn them in and he's going to do that because he's caught them and everybody knows about it. But he actually, there's a second pistol just like in this one, but nobody knows about it until the end. And he lets Mm. Jacqueline keep the extra pistol and then walks away. And then they, she kills Simon and then kills herself at the end of the book. And he allows it to happen knowing what she's going to do because he, the whole love thing, like he's like, I'm going to let them die in their own way, as opposed to going to jail and being separated so I really thought they missed by not playing that out because it was it fit with the theme they were going through very well with this whole, you know, love is a an addictive thing and makes you do crazy shit. So I didn't understand other than for dramatic effect. But I was like, if you're going to do that, let her have the 45, not the 22. Because <laughs> at least the 45 would have killed them both. And believably, the 22 is not going to go through yeah. two bodies, especially when you shoot them in the sternum. You got to get through both chest plates at that point to kill. And I was like, mm, no, that doesn't work. So was Simon in on the murder-suicide thing? or In the book, yes. They both knew they were going to jail in the book. There was none of this, like he just sits him down and says, I figured it out. Here's where it is. Cause they're going to get hung. Cause back then they hung murderers. Oh, that's good to know. 
Okay, so I guess I'm jumping right to the reveal, right? Sure. Which is that Simon killed uh, Lynette. Okay, so Jacqueline supposedly shoots Simon, or I guess she shoots a blank at him, and he pretends that he got shot in the shin. While people leave the room and he's alone, he grabs the gun, sprints over to Lynette's room, and shoots her in the head. But no one hears that gunshot. Because he muffled it. And then, No, he didn't. He muffles the one into his shin. Oh. So he sprints all the way back, grabs the little handkerchief, muffles the second shot into his shin. That's the part that lost me because we're talking about like a good few minute difference between the first shot and the second shot. And no one's considering those two separate shots, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That part, I guess, didn't bother me as much because of where her cabin was. And they didn't do a great job showing the fact that her cabin was at the top of the boat. Yeah, but it was right next to the maid servant, you know? In the book, it's not. And I think they were trying to show that it's not. She was actually separated from everyone, their cabin. And they talk about mm-hmm. it in the in the book. They didn't show it as well in the movie. They tried to, I think, but they should have done better showing that. But yeah, I get what you're saying. I just didn't love that they showed him like running all the way across the boat. Like he had to yeah. go a long way. Yeah, that Which, didn't seem convenient. Because yeah. what if someone saw him? Yeah. Well, somebody kind of did, right? Uh, what's your bucket? Please. Yeah, the yeah, maid, right? Mm-hmm. Well, just so you guys are aware, like one of the things that they did. So look, Book is a great character and the guy that plays Book is amazing. Like, I'm so glad that they added him into this movie because he's not in the book. Oh, yeah. He is not in the book because they added some side stories. So like Book being there, Poirot is not hired to investigate the love interest. Like he's literally there on vacation. He's just trying to have a fucking vacation and he gets drugged into this thing. But like the whole Poirot investigating Book's love interest for his mom, that's not part of the book, which I was okay with them adding to a certain degree. Because like I said, Book to me is one of the best characters in this movie or in both oh, movies. He's so both funny. Movies. And yeah. I was really sad that they killed him. Yeah. I was like, I thought it was off limits, you know? Yeah. Well, I, there's no way Poro would have let him go to prison, right? Yeah. Because he didn't end up actually stealing the necklace. He returned it. And he freaking, the last movie, he let seven murderers go. So <laughs> clearly he wasn't going to send Book to jail. So I'm like, let's drop the charade here, okay? Yeah. Well, and that's, I think, the craziest part is that one of the things that I loved about the fact that they added Book, and so he's having this interrogation with Book to figure out that he's stolen this necklace and then he's using it as a way to get more information from Simon and then it mm-hmm. just goes south. And so, yeah, it was an interesting take on an addition to that. Now there is the, like you said, there's a lot of people that die in this book, but yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. Dude, when Matt, when you said that, like, this is a great character for the guy who plays Poirot, I felt that when he was talking about his wife, his like dead wife, when he was telling Jackie and he like, his voice cracked and he like teared up and had to stop. I was like, oh my gosh, I need to call my wife. (laughs) 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 
He's such a good actor. I like in this one that they took some professional liberties on allowed his character. He really, they lean into his kind of egotistical side and oh, the part where he accuses the, that lady and her lover uh, about accusing them of murder. And she's like, are you accusing us, me of murder? And well, actually I accuse everyone of murder. He's like, yeah, that's totally correct. Like that. I'm not <laughs> delivering it well at all, but he accuses everyone of murder. Just, it's a problem. I admit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That part was just so, I like that they brought a little bit more of that into him and humanized him a little bit because in the first one Murray on the Orient Express he came across more robotic and just I'm smarter than everyone I don't care but then he had some heartstrings that got plucked at the end but this one I felt like we got more of his full-fledged personality from the desserts to interactions with a lot of the couples and things um, and I really like that I, I enjoyed I just really enjoyed the character like if they were to come out with the third one I'm sure I'd go see it just because he Kevin Brown just kills it. Like it feels like the character is an extension of himself and them even like teasing us with the little mustache thing he sleeps with that like slid up halfway on his face. Like yeah. one did people, is that a, like, that can't be a real thing that people did me. Is that a real thing that they did back in the day? That I don't know, but that was a great observation, but he actually, what that was, was an eye cover shaped like a mustache it wasn't actually his mustache thing oh, i thought it's for his mustache no so in the first one in he has a mustache but it's a hard plastic cover that goes That's over right. it and then he sleeps with the regular eye cover this one was an eye cover that was designed to look like a mustache <laughs> it's fucking great dude he looks like he has two mustaches yeah. you know it is dope is that real yeah like, can can he grow that out for yep, real? He grows that. Dude, I want to try. I'm going to look into like that. was his mustache. real beard. Yeah, that's his real, real mustache. mustache. He grows wow. that for the character. Yeah, Kenneth, oh, Kenneth Branagh's dope, dude. That guy's crazy. He's so underappreciated because he, what he does mostly is he's a trained Shakespearean actor. Mm-hmm. So, like, a lot like of a what stage he, actor? Yeah. So, he started his oh. career in Shakespeare. And then a lot of the Shakespearean adaptations into movies he's responsible for those so like oh yeah because he's like he king did henry yeah he's henry the fifth oh shit what was was macbeth. yep macbeth and othello he was othello or iago and othello he did hamlet and i don't like that stuff but man he was good dude he delivers the uh band of brothers speech in oh, uh man. king henry and oof, i don't care how you feel about shakespeare that is a great speech yeah but I love Shakespeare. I don't usually love like adaptations of Shakespeare because it just doesn't translate for most people. But goddamn, yeah, you're well, he kills it in Henry the in Henry, and it just yeah, he does a lot of stuff with that. But that's where he comes from. And then he started directing, and he he just decided he was going to direct because he wanted to do more Shakespeare films, and so he started directing, and he kills it like. I love the way he plays this character. Did you know he was in Tenet? Yeah, it was the bad oh. guy, dude. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. No. Just chalked that up to another thing that just went right over my head in Tenet. You know? <laughs> yeah, he was the bad guy. Talked oh, he's a lot also of, Dunkirk. Yep. I like Kenneth Branagh a lot. So, I mean, he directed <laughs> this movie, and he directed Murder on the Orient Express. Killed it. Yep. Absolutely. How does that work when you're the director and you're like the lead actor and you're doing your scene and people do it all the time now, I guess. It's yeah. just interesting. How does that work? Yeah. I don't know. Like I've watched some documentaries and I've watched some interviews where they talk about doing it and they're like, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you just set the scene and then, you know, you don't have to tell an actor, here's what we're looking for with this shot. You know, you just have to tell your, 
toes. And then you're just looking at dailies and things like that. So, I mean, it's definitely doable. I'm sure it's hard. I can't imagine that it's easy to say, and you have a, you have an assistant director. Everybody's got their AD first AD and a second AD. So there are people that are probably handling the, the actual shots and things like that. And when you're in the scenes, but he does a great job at it though. Like it, yeah, he's in a lot of the things that he directs, but it's a big time investment because you're that you have to be there every single day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kenneth Branagh, that guy's a, he doesn't get as much credit as he should, I think, because he does such obscure shit a lot of times. And that, but man, like you said, as Poirot, he's one of my favorites. He plays that character so good. And when he gets pissed in this movie, like after when Book dies, like, and that switch kind of flips in him and he's got the gun and he's standing out in front of the, on the bow of the ship. And he's like basically holding these people hostage. Like I fucking loved that moment. Like watching the anger because he's always kind of a lighthearted, funny guy. And he even makes like the interviews, like in the, the interrogations a little silly, but like when he switched in this one, I was like, yeah, this is cool. Like, yeah. He's frightening when he wants to be. Yeah, he just levels the gun and he's like, no, you're right. I am vain. I like people to say, look how clever he is. But right now, like, I was like, <laughs> he's like, right now, I'm not joking around. I'm like, oh, someone fucked up. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I also like that he got flustered around the singer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, I had to, um, you know, uh, expose myself to a lot of that jazz. And admittedly, I didn't think I was going to like it, but it, you know, it really, it really grew on me. <laughs> He's just like monologuing to himself, like an aside. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. And this dude that's like never at a loss for words, like stumbling over his shit. Like, he's yeah. like, uh, was it, uh, I don't know. Yeah, but I did love the jazzy. It's like your jazzy blues music's really good. It like, you know, it invokes, it's like it makes you want to dance, but it invokes emotion at the same time. <laughs> like <laughs> so funny. And then the end you get to see I like like in this one they tied the Hollywood bow on it and he shows up to the rehearsal and I guess he shaved his mustache, probably because he's not ashamed. You probably have to explain that one a little bit more, JJ, but the way I took it is he had that mustache because his wife or I don't even know if it was his wife or his lover at that point said, well, you'll grow a mustache. And so he did that and kept that cause he was kind of still holding on to that life and that persona. And then him shaving that mustache off was him like taking steps forward and then maybe showing that he could love again. It could be that the blues singer, at least kind of how he took it and him trying to find happiness for himself again and not just being someone that solved those mysteries, but maybe solving the greatest mystery of himself is finding love again, but could be really wrong there. Um, no, that's exactly what I was going to say about it is that I loved at the end. Like it showed that he was embracing his, what he saw as his major flaw, right? That that's Poirot's whole thing. And he talks mm -hmm. about it on the boat. Like I am overconfident. I know that I'm the greatest detective out there. Nothing gets by me. And he said it in both movies. I see everything. I'll always figure it out. I'm the greatest detective because I did love the joke where he's like, well, I'm not okay. I am the greatest detective. <laughs> he exaggerates, yeah, he, but he's, but he's right. Yeah. He <laughs> but he doesn't actually exaggerate. I am the greatest. Yeah, no. You know, that's his lack of confidence. Right. And so he's letting in that vulnerability and saying, I'm not perfect and I'm not the great. I have this scar that to me defined me and almost cost me a love. And then now I'm finding something that makes me feel that way again. And I'm, about to let it cost me. So I liked that moment where, but I think that's the best part of the books and these movies is 
that they've really portrayed the part of Poirot growing and how his character development goes from this cocky, goofy, funny, really loner by choice to he always makes friends and he ends up caring about these people that are involved in these crimes to a level that he makes friends and then people respect him and they appreciate him at the end when they hate him during the moments that it's happening. So I really, I think that's the best part of these movies that it, it's kind of subtle and yet really in your face at the same time, if you pay attention to it. And that's one of the reasons I love these movies is that character and the way it progresses. I wonder if they're going to play on the comment that he made where he's like to be as good as he is, it requires a certain amount of focus and he has no time or like space for like love and women. So I wonder now that he's making that space, if they're going to have him like miss something in the next movie and that's going to be like a huge problem for him, you know, Mm -hmm. because he doesn't miss anything. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting concept. I don't know that there's a book that takes place after this one until there's like, a series of books when he's an older guy, like he's really old mm. and he gets pulled back into something. And I can't remember what they're called, but, but they weren't written by Agatha Christie. Obviously they were written later on, but they made a TV mm. show out of it. I think stars or the BBC and it starred, uh, I'm going to lose his name too. John something Malkovich, John Malkovich played Poirot. And it was an interesting TV show based on those, but he played the character mm. more like, complete dick <laughs> but oh i would be like holmes yeah approach. yeah yeah so i would be very interested to see if they do make another movie that allows for what you're talking about where you know there's a level of distraction that comes in simply because he's chosen to, yeah. to not focus completely on his stuff like that i mean there is another there's another book another story called murder in mesopotamia but i'm pretty sure that's the first of his stories, if I remember, I'd have to look it up. But. Yeah, but they could get away with it because nobody knows that. Oh, for I sure. Feel like, yeah. or maybe they just start working backwards. Like that's his happily ever after kind of like did the top stop spinning? You know, you get to just figure out what happened to Poirot, and then we'll just keep going backwards. Yeah, you know? yeah. Right. I mean, if we're talking like they can make another one, I mean, I think that's indicative of a good movie because. All oh, entertaining sure. it. I'd go see another one. Oh, I hope they make another one. I do too. Yeah. I, I really want. I was so excited when I found out they were going to actually make this one. I was like, sweet, they're actually going to make another one. Because Matson, you and I reviewed this ages ago, the first one ages ago. Yeah, we, I remember doing this. Yeah, it was like our third episode or something. And it was our first comparative episode. We did this one in Knives Out, mm-hmm. and we gave it really high scores. It, it's it's just fun movie. Yeah. He's such a fun character and. And they pull in, that's one thing. So we talked about it, but the cast is huge in this movie. I mean, if you even take Gal Gadot out, like you, Russell Brand comes back and he's an underrated actor to me too. And as the doctor, I really liked him in this movie. He did great. And I was I not just expecting that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a movie he's in when he had the longer hair and he was some like rock star. And there's a scene where he's petting with, a with carpet Adam on the wall though. I don't know what's that, whatever. And I could not, I thought he was someone. Yes. And I thought his character was not Russell Brand. And then you said his name to the Jays like, Oh my God, like what? He was good in this movie. Yeah. Totally different than what I remember him being in before. I was very impressed with him. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. It was really weird seeing him with the short hair. Because he was serious. Yeah. But he's so serious. He looked good. Like I was like, okay, this is what he looks like with that hair. I was like, all right, like, yeah, good job. Yeah. I really liked him in this, 
But that's that's I mean, this cast is crazy. And Annette Benning, like we talked about her already too. She's but she stole this movie almost from Poirot. Like every time she lost it, and like when they when he reveals to Book that he's there to investigate based on his mother hiring him, like investigate his relationship, and like she loses her shit on him and on the girlfriend or whatever, like that moment at the top of those stairs was so good. I was like, man, Annette Benning's still killing it. And she looked great. I'm pretty sure she's my parents' age. 1958. She, so yeah, she's yeah, 63. Dude, I'd rock her hips. Dude. You know? She looked great in this movie. Like I, <laughs> I was waiting for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nicole, you know? if, you, if you're listening to this, just know that Javier will find you more than attractive when you're that old. So you can rest assured. Yeah, I find her attractive now. I'll find her attractive when she's old. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, all I think about whenever I see Annette Benning is the American president. Like that movie. Casey watches it on the regular, so she's really good. I liked her. But, yeah, the, the cast is crazy good. Can they're we really talk about the, the CGI? Uh, Since oh, we yeah. talked about the spoiler-free. The like, green screen. Well, how do, when, when people review, like when you're when you're the producer and everyone, you're watching that, is that just the necessary evil you have to swallow? Like, oh, we didn't have the budget for that. It is what it is. Because they got to know. They see it. They're like, yeah, it doesn't look great because it did and I think that's one of those things, especially now, like movies that were produced and filmed during the pandemic, the funding kind of dried up a little bit. So I know there was a lot of suffering from that, with these movies. And again, this movie was, I think it was halted in the middle of production and filming because of the pandemic. And then when they came back, I'm sure that the budget just took a big hit. And I think that's one of those things where from a budgetary perspective, like people just look at it and go, you know, it's something we have to live with. And it's unfortunate, but yeah, the green screen was terrible in this. And I think back on it, and the reason I say it had to have been related to that was because Murder on the Orient Express did not have that problem. And it had more green screen Mm -hmm. than this one naturally probably would because of the amount of motion that was on the train. There was constantly scenery blowing by, which is all going to be green screen. They're not going to film that on an actual train. They're going to film it in a set and then put in the motion so and it never looked bad in that movie like even when they go into that cave and all that stuff it did it looked- yeah even when they left the train mm-hmm. like that's still and it has like a unique cinematography i think they were trying to do with like under the river and yeah. then making it go up that just wasn't really it wasn't the same it just so. it, the worst it looked for me is when Hook was flying his kite and around the the pyramids and then the scene with his mom painting everything all that just they looked off like they were i couldn't shake that from my head i was like man that's just it's cringeworthy granted i was not watching on an imax and i'm sure it looked even worse because i can't imagine i don't even know if they shot it truly for imax uh, you know so what it was made the problem the, even bigger the scene that made me was like when jackie sh- crashes the wedding celebrations for the first time they sh- zoom into simon's head and he's clearly just standing in front of a green screen like a weatherman. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why wouldn't you just shoot this in the room that you guys were in? Like you guys are clearly acting in a set right now. And then they get him out of the set, put him in front of his green screen of that set. That just made no sense to me. <laughs> to be honest with you, I think the whole thing was green screen. Cause that's during the pandemic, a lot of movies went full green screen. And what they would do is what they I don't know if you guys have watched, I know we've talked about the Mandalorian and I know Javier, you haven't, but they created a new filming apparatus for that TV show. 
And so a lot of movies during that, they were able to continue filming during the pandemic because they could monitor the amount of people that were going in and out of this room. That's basically a giant domed green screen that has like a video screen behind it. And it's like VR. It's really interesting. You should watch the documentary on it if for nothing else to see, because it's bitch yeah, looking. Is it on um, Disney Plus, JJ? Yeah, it's on Disney Plus. It's it's something behind the scenes okay. on the Mandalorian. But they so they created this dome basically. And a lot of movies have switched to something similar. And and what they do is they have in the background on this green scene playing a scene. And then you in, instead of just a because normally green screen is just a still shot of something. But they figured out now with like the virtual reality technology that games use and things like that, like where you have to have the motion and the everything built in. So they've started being able to do motion on these green screens as well. That's not actual CGI. It's they film somebody dancing and then they put it on, on top of a green screen and let it play. So I think that whole scene and they just spent the most money and then it switched to the still green screen when you're talking about Simon's face and it's jarring when they go from that movement to the knot. Oh, okay. And so it can't like, and that's something that they're still figuring out. You still see it even in the Mandalorian. Like when they go from full on movement to the still, like you can see it looks painted and it looks like a still because the green screen technology is so good in the movement area that it actually suffers when they're standing still. So I think that might've been hmm. what happened with that, but you're right. Like there's parts where it almost looks like in the old days, like when they had to like fade certain things in the background so that like the foreground would look like they blended. And right. it, so it looked, yeah, it looked rough. And there were a couple of moments like that. There was one on the boat where you could see the tomb with the four Egyptian things in the background as well. And there was a couple of people standing on the bow of the ship while it was holding. And I was like, oh my God, that looks horrid. <laughs> it, yeah. Just a couple of really bad green screen moments, which was really odd. Yeah. So it's funny how technology can progress things. And back in the day, they would have just had to go on site or they would have built the set and it would have been what it is. So it's interesting because going back to, I mean, let's bring Jurassic Park into this, even JP one still with the animatronics and the way they built things still holds up where a lot of the CGI technology that we use today in some senses, I think is a detractor where building the physical set or uh, machine is, is the better way to go, but it could be more expensive or time consuming. And so you have to weigh the pros and cons. And you see that in like other Jurassic Park movies where they lean more on the CGI than Ugh. like the actual like automatronic side of it. Mm-hmm. And it gets rough. It gets yeah. ugly a yeah. little bit. I've said it a hundred so. times on this podcast. I, I love practical effects. I think it's worth the money for a lot of practical effects because it's just, it, there's nothing distracting about practical effects most of the time. Yeah. Back in the day, they were pretty bad, but they didn't have the technology. Now they can make shit that's so dope. Like you just never would know that it's, built right like so i don't know yeah you blend it with a little bit of cgi just mm-hmm. to complement it just to really yep. hit it home uh, and it can look so cool absolutely all right should we rate death on the nile yeah let's do it all right let's i'll go first it. um i really enjoyed this movie i've been looking forward to this one for a while i was kind of sad when it got delayed a couple of times and as i have been with a few movies but it was worth the wait. I sat in the theater last night, just thoroughly enjoying myself, had a great time. I giggled. I laughed, got emotional. Cause it was, they really did a good job. I'm not usually a fan of like bringing in characters for the sake of having character service, but they really did a good job bringing in book 
bringing him into this, even though he's not part of the book, really added to the film because that that pairing of Poirot played by Brana and Book really is good. They got something. They found some magic in the first one. So to bring it back into this one, that was a really good idea. Kenneth Branagh's the man. It was such a good performance. And I just love the emotional. And to Javier, I, I thought of you as we were watching this movie and all these people are dying. I'm like, there's real stakes in this too. Like this shit's no joke. Like it's not like happy go lucky. There's some hard moments in this movie, which I really appreciated. And and they leaned yeah. into him and really played into that character development across the board. So Thoroughly enjoyed this movie. There were some issues with, again, the visuals. There were some weird acting choices and and the fact that Gal Gadot just kind of outshone everyone. And I had a hard time not liking her, which you should have some level of duality with her, of not liking her character and yet feeling sorry for her at the same time. But, I mean, at the end of the day, she stole her best friend's fiance. So how do you like her? So Gal Gadot made her too likable, in my opinion, and she distracted me. Like, she just pulled me out of almost any scene she was in. So like Javier said, it was the movie got better when she died. So it, it was really interesting that way. But overall, I'm going to give it a four. I really enjoyed this movie. I would definitely will watch this movie again. I've watched the murder on the Orient Express multiple times and I, yeah, I'll watch this one too. So I liked it. Javier. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm the same way. Like the acting was awesome. The story, even the story was just super fun. They brought back enough of the original, what I liked about the original movie into this movie and then added some new characters and some other stuff. So that was awesome. Some character development, which you don't often see with characters like Poirot, who you're just like, you like this character? We're just going to keep him this way. So it's cool to see some development there. I think they missed the mark with like Gal Gadot and some of the green screen and CGI, but hopefully that's something they can make up for in the next movie when they don't have the same restrictions that they do. So I'm going to give this a four as well. Like I, I really like this movie. I, I, would, I would totally watch this again. And the first one, which is also unique to say, because usually I'm like one or the other. Like yeah. Usually I'm like, ah, I'll watch the first one before I watch the second one type of thing. But I'll watch both of these again. Yeah, I would watch either. You could be like, let's watch one of these. I'm, I'm game. Ian. Yeah, me too. So I have a confession to make. I still haven't seen the first one. Um, the wow. Express. Like I said, kind of in the spoiler free though, like these aren't my kind of movies, but they're done super well. Like by no means is this a knock on the movie, more just my personal opinion of like murder mysteries are not my, not my thing, but it was really well done. One thing I liked that they did is I feel like they did a really good job of marking details to make them memorable enough, but not stand out so much that you figure everything out. Like even just for instance, the, the painting the mom was doing when he was wearing a red jacket. Like I saw that and I was like, Oh, that's interesting that he has a green jacket. Does that mean something? And then for them to be able to pull all those little details back together, they did a really good job at it. I'm going to go with a 3.5. Like it's still a really good movie. I've watched it over a lot of other things, but just kind of not my style. I may or may not try the first one, but I'll probably have to have somebody else say, Oh, I want to watch this. And we go, Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's put it on. Then me seeking it out. But yeah, that's good stuff. Nice. All right, Matson, bring us home. All right, let me caboose it here. You guys have all kind of taken most of the thunder that I was going to bring. But I also really like the music in this movie. I thought it was certain parts of the movie really made sense to kind of drive some the emotion home. Uh, I thought it was trendy. I mean, just the blues music in general from that character. Like, I liked it. I was like, man, I could dance. Also, I will say the dancing that happened at the beginning of this movie, if that's the dance they're doing in the 1920s, man, like, whoa, like, I just wasn't expecting that. Like 
we need to get back on that. That was some next level stuff right there. But again, acting was solid. Story progression was great. The visuals could have been better, but we've kind of explained why it was, it was interesting to hear JJ's points there. Not a reason to not watch this movie. And this movie isn't about the visuals. It's about the emotional undertones of relationships being built, what love can drive someone to do. And I think because of that, it makes it interesting. To Ian's point, I think a lot of the clues they try to give you to show you like who was behind all this, it wasn't obvious enough that it detracted from you kind of solving it along the way. So for that solid movie for me, I'm going to give it a four. Absolutely would watch this again. I think this movie's in rarefied air in the sense that the second movie is, if not as good as the first, just about there, which is really hard to do these days. And with the fact that we're basically saying, I mean, we are saying make another movie, that's indicative of, of a strong franchise and a, a strong movie. And it, again, it really just comes down to being carried by Kenneth Branagh. Without him, this movie, this franchise would be nothing. And I think he just did a, an absolute fabulous job. And he's the reason I would go see the next one because he's the continuity of, of both of these films. And he just to this character so well yeah definitely yeah if he got swapped out like there would be no chance it's like if they took keanu reeves out of john wick and put someone else in you're not gonna go see the next one it's over like you would never yeah. Do, yeah. think about doing that well and i think they did that with like jason Bourne. you know how they swapped yeah, yeah, out yeah. matt damon for yeah. what's his name yeah, yeah, i still haven't yeah still haven't seen that movie because i'm like there's no way like, i'm not <laughs> i'm not gonna see it's not that. very good it's not very good yeah i, I can only imagine yeah <laughs> No, I'm with you. I, yeah, Kenneth Branagh kills it. That's And I was thinking about that while you were talking about that. You could really swap out, as big and as good as this cast was, you could really swap most of them out, if not all of them, with the exception of maybe yeah. the guy that plays, Tom Freeman, the guy that plays uh, Book, like he really, he kills it. There's sure, no way yeah. around that. And that character's really, or Tom Bateman, that guy's really funny. But other than that, like you could just interchange any actor with, Kenneth Branagh as Poirot. And I think it would work because he, yeah. he's just so entertaining and he, he makes the other characters better in my opinion. Well, if you remember Jason, when we did the comparison between this and knives out knives out, we gave it a five because the cast across the board, if you took some of those cast members out, the movie would change yeah. drastically. But Kenneth Branagh is these movies without yeah. him. It is nothing. He raises, it's like the comparison, like a star athlete on a team. He raises the bar for everyone else. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Cool. Guys, I, I'm just excited. We watched a good movie. It's been a while. Like, no kidding. <laughs> I don't remember the last time I gave anything higher than a two in the last, in the recent weeks. So the last one was a Christmas movie that I was highly biased on. I don't know, but that yeah. shitty Christmas movie. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, good movie. Go check this one out. It's a lot of fun. So, good stuff. Next week, we'll be reviewing Uncharted. Back on the menu, boys, is Tom Holland again. So, we'll see how that one goes. I'm worried. Video game movies historically don't turn out very well, but we'll see. So, yeah, Uncharted next week. Matson, tell everybody where they can find us. If after this uh, more refined review for you common folk, hopefully we can bring together another good one with a good movie. Come check us out wherever you listen to good podcasts. Please leave us a five-star review. Drop us some comments on, on social media and Facebook and Instagram, most especially. Check us out our website as well to see what's upcoming. We really appreciate you guys engaging with us. All right. Well, there it is. As always, we appreciate you tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye now. Bye. Cinematic out.